welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour, the Miracle NFL Podcast. Steven, Stephen White, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Man, I am. I think I'm recovered from last Sunday because what a fucking day of football. Yeah, that, that ending in the, the New Orleans and Vikings game. Like, I, I'm still not over there. I'm not even a Saints fan. I'm still like, what the fuck? <laughs> I just, I couldn't, but like, it was, you know, we were like just kind of getting ready for the end of the game. And then all of a sudden he, I mean, like I was watching it and like, it took just like half a second to register in my brain. Cause like, you're, you know, you're just like, Oh, there's, they're done. It's over. Saints win. Saints going to Philly. Saints should roll over the Eagles. No problem. That's a damn good team. And then all of a sudden you're like, Holy crap. I started screaming and whoo. Right, I'm like, okay, so <laughs> surely he stepped out of bounds on replay or something. Show the replay. No, his foot's in bounds. Um, hey, I mean, this did this really fucking happen? And, and then everybody's like celebrating. I'm like, yeah, this this really fucking happened. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I wouldn't if I was playing in that game, especially if I was a Saints player. Like I would just wouldn't have left the field. I'm like, no, nah, fuck that. Y'all, y'all, y'all cheating. The game cheating. <laughs> my, my my controller stuck or something. Y'all gave me the bad controller. Something wrong. That, that ain't really supposed to happen in the game. That's only supposed to happen in Madden. You know, you have a glitch play, play or something like that. Like what the fuck? That's I, I was like, well, let's see what the let, uh, did he did he actually have control of the ball or whatever that new twist in the catch rule is we keep having to talk about this year. <laughs> His knee hit the ground somehow. No, nope, no, nope. he, he checked all the boxes, man. That was something else. I, uh, whoo, what a finish. And like, yeah. And, and and the thing is, like, the more angles that I saw of the play, the just like the more I can understand what what that safety Williams was doing, the rookie. And uh, you know, I know everybody is kind of patting him on the back and saying it's going to be okay. And yeah. and he did have a real good rookie year. And, look, they aren't even in the game if he doesn't catch catch the interception earlier in that yeah. game, of course. But, look, that that is one of the worst plays. And I even can't – I struggle to even call it a play because I don't know what that was he did. Like, no. the more you look at it, it's like he, he – <laughs> I, I can't even describe it. It looks like he was scared of success or something. Like, he just, okay, if you're worried about pass interference, that's one thing. But you still got to tackle this motherfucker. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, no. Like, he literally was like, oh, no. <laughs> and threw his hands over his head and ducked his head. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, like, his head's down. And, like, how do you see the guy no, he, when your head's he absolutely, down? He absolutely tried to avoid him. That's the thing about it. Like, yeah. like, like he intentionally avoided the tackle. Like, I, I can't, I can still can't wrap my look. Make the fucking referees call pass interference. Yeah, fuck that shit. Even if they do, you still got to kick a long field goal. Maybe. Yeah. But I'm gonna make them call. I'm not gonna move. And be like, oh shit, I might be just a half a second early. Let me duck out of the way. Let me duck out of the way and take out the only other person that has any chance of making a tackle on this guy. Like, really, what in the... I, I'm, look, it, I, I can't even really be rational about this anymore because <laughs> I am rationally get mad every time I think about that play because, look, 
here, here's the, the, the reality of the situation. Who in the hell didn't think that the Saints would go in and beat the Eagles this week had they won last week? Yeah. Right? Everybody figures they got the offense going, the defense playing well enough. They still got the ace in the hole, Drew Brees, for the end of the game. They're going to roll over the Eagles and head into the Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay. So you, I mean, you didn't just cost them a trip to the NFC. Yeah, but you you didn't just cost them a trip to the NFC Championship game. You basically cost them a trip <laughs> to the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> One of the last chances Drew Brees is probably going to have to get there. And you just like, like if, again, if he gets a pass interference call right there, totally understandable. Yeah. I totally get it. Wouldn't be mad at all. They still got to kick the field goal, and we all know kickers sometimes can make mistakes right at the end of the game. Especially a right? Vikings kicker. Hey, shit happens. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. But of all the ways to lose, that was absolutely the worst way. If he'd have turned around and ran slap over Williams a la beast mode, like if yeah. he turned around and turned into Marshawn Lynch, and just uh, 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 turned around and stiff-armed them and went to the end zone, that's bad. Yeah. But at least you tried. Yeah. <laughs> right? At least you tried. You ain't even pinched the guy. You ain't even – I mean, you didn't lay – you literally intentionally avoided contacting this guy. And it's just one of those plays that's going to – you can't explain it. You can't – you cannot give me a justification for ducking your head and moving out of the way and taking out out your teammate and losing the game that way. Yeah. You, you just can't. There's nothing. As his teammates, obviously, they're going to get over this eventually. But I'm telling you, that fucking playing round was probably quiet as hell around his seat. I'm just oh, saying. Yeah. Look, it, it, you can say what you want to. They were going back home, seeing that play over and over again, and they're fucking nightmares. And who's the villain in that nightmare? Number 43 for the Saints. <laughs> I'm telling you. It was just like the whole, like, I don't understand. And this isn't like the biggest deal because they didn't have a timeout left because Peyton blows those two timeouts on those bad challenges at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So they don't have a timeout to kind of get their defense settled and lined up right on the biggest play. And it wasn't necessarily a bad lineup, it didn't look like. But, like, I mean, like, it's confusing why they rushed four on it. Um, I, you know, I, I don't get that. I don't see, like, you have two linebackers that are a lot closer to the line than they probably should be on a third and ten, the last kind of last chance play of the game. I mean, it just doesn't, you know, and, and Williams is the only deep man. I mean, I, I guess I just don't, I, that to me is a little bit of the problem, too. What I was going to say is it, it wasn't a last gas play, though. That That's the whole thing about it. I've seen people debate this online and mm -hmm. I just I don't get into those debates anymore but the problem is they had time like yeah. if he catches that ball and, and 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 Williams hits him that's a good chance that he's gonna go out of bounds the clock is stopped yeah and they get a chance for the field goal right so that's the whole reason why you have to rush for and you have to play coverage because if you allow the, the whole the whole premise behind this was you're not gonna allow them to catch the ball on the on the uh, 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 sideline mm -hmm. and get out of bounds so they could ki uh, kick a field goal. That's why they kind of had guys guarding the sideline. You had the corner, mm -hmm. and then you had the linebacker, and like everybody because they know they can't throw it 
they literally can't throw it in the middle of the field. Right. Because if you tackle them there, the game is over. Right. So the only way they could win was throw to the sideline. So they literally called the perfect fucking play. Williams was in position to make the play and keep him from going out of bounds. There, you can say this was a bad alignment all you want to. The fact remains, Williams, they put Williams in position to make the play and the game to be over. He was in position to make a hit uh, uh, on the receiver and keep him in bounds. And that's all you can ask for. You don't know that that's the play that they're going to run specifically. Yeah. You have to. You have to make sure that you don't give them an easy 10 yards and get out of bounds so they can kick a field goal because they had enough time. They didn't just have to throw a Hail Mary into the end zone so you can't rush three and keep everybody else at the end zone or they'll throw a ball. They would have If everybody was backed off like that, then they would have just had an easier throw underneath and a guy catches the ball, goes out of bounds, and kick the field goal and go home. Yeah. So it wasn't the coverage. If the coverage was the problem – Williams wouldn't have been in position to make the play in the first fucking place. It was his job to make that play. <laughs> and it wasn't a hard play. Let's not forget, wide receiver jumped in the fucking air to catch the ball. It might have been the easiest tackle he could have had on him because he's in the air. He doesn't have anything to brace with. Yeah. You hit a blow, he flips on his head, and the game is over. Yeah. You, it ain't a hard fucking tackle. Basically, he could have swiped at his feet and because the wide receiver was in the air, he goes ass over uh, over heels, and then he's he's down on the ground in the turf, inbounds, and the game is over. the The problem, the problem, wasn't linebackers too up too close, wasn't not enough safeties deep. It was Williams <laughs> deciding, oh God, it's it might be passing the field. <laughs> get out of the way to make sure that they don't call a penalty with almost no time left on the game because we know officials love to step in in those situations. They never swallow oh, their yeah. in those situations, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a rookie. He's going to learn from it. But, man, it's a hard fucking lesson to learn because yeah. there's very few times where you can point to one guy yeah. as the fucking GOAT. But it wasn't a defense coordinator. It wasn't the linebackers. It was number 43, plain yeah. and simple. And all, all he's got all year that that's just going to be on repeat on every sports broadcast in America. There's just no escaping that play now. And look, I, I look. <laughs> I think the Vikings are going to win this weekend. I think they're going to beat uh, Philadelphia at home. Mm -hmm. But you know, somehow, some way, you know, the Eagles miraculously win this week, and then they go on to win the Super Bowl. That play is going to be everywhere. Ooh everywhere he's never gonna live that down never because you're gonna think well surely if we beat minnesota in minnesota we could have done the same thing yeah and got us another ring but no <laughs> you, you ducked your head and look they made so many memes out of this cat and i couldn't even be mad at it because i was like shit it, 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 you gotta get over this angle some kind of way might as well be through laughter but you got <laughs> doing a real flash basically <laughs> on all these different means because he was scared of a pass interference call <laughs> it's just so illogical to me you're the fucking safety the safety you know there's nobody behind you at the very least even if he let the dude just land and get out of bounds pinch him do something <laughs> trip him <laughs> Get your fingernail on them. You know, give them a flesh wound or something. But you ducked your head and intentionally avoided the guy.
I mean, missed him by a foot. Like, not even, I mean, it wasn't even, like, lined up. It wasn't even, like, a broken tackle. It was just, like, a whiff, a swing and a miss. Oh, he didn't fucking swing. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It was a check swing. The motherfucker watched the third strike go down the middle of the plate. And it's a lot of people being nice about it, right? I understand that. Everybody, nobody wants to kill this kid. And, again, he had a real good rookie season, had a good game up to that point, had the interception. But you cannot sugarcoat this shit. He fucking checked swing. He did not try to tackle the guy. No. He thought he was going to get a, a pass interference and literally avoided contact. I said before I saw the front view, I said, look, man, it looks like he turned it down. Yeah. And there ain't many things for a football player, anybody other than like a quarterback or a punter, that for somebody to say you would turn down a hit. Like that, that's like challenging your manhood. But it looked like <laughs> he turned down a hit. And then when I saw from the other angle, it was like he definitely did. It wasn't because he didn't think, you know, he would he would get the guy on the ground or he thought he was gonna get run over. But I guess his motivation was thinking that it might be a pass interference, but he definitely turned down the hit. He didn't even try. Yeah. He was like, oh, God, let me move out of the way so I don't get a penalty. There's, but there's, you just can't explain it. Like, why? Why would you do that? Why would you just instead, if you're going to do anything, just fucking stop. Just stop. Stop and stand in the way. Just, you know, be a tackling dummy and let somebody else tackle the guy if you don't want to tackle him. But to run and just dive out of the way and hit, you know, hit your teammate, the only guy that has any chance of catching him after that and just took him out too, it's like it's almost like he got paid off. <laughs> like obviously he couldn't get paid off because there's no way in the world any rookie would know that he would be in that situation at the end of the game. Yeah. But I saw it look like he just, you know, right before that play was like, Hey man, put a hundred thousand on the bike. <laughs> I I know everybody, but ain't nobody even uh, uh, betting no more. But go on here and put a hundred thousand on the Vikings for me, <laughs> and let me show you how it's done. I mean, it's just an amazing play because it wasn't just a bad play; it was a fucking horrible play. Yeah, horrible play. Because again, I could take if he shot his gun and just missed. If, yeah. if you you went for the tackle and just missed. Hey, man, shit happens. It's messed up, but it happens. He did none of that. He did none of that. He avoided the play. As a safety, as a safety with the game on the line, he said, <laughs> I better not do this. Let me get out the way. And I just, I, you you can't explain that to me. You can't, you can't give me an explanation for that that's going to suffice. No. And, I, and, I, and I'm telling the kid, and, you know, I know he's gotten death threats. Which is fucking ridiculous. Like, you know, some of you need to get your heads out of yeah. your asses. Stop being what you think is a super fan, but really it's just an asshole. Yeah. That's all you are. Yeah. It's just a coward ass asshole. You're not a fan if you're sending somebody death threats and shit. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, that is all uncalled for and over the top. But if you're trying to make the case that it wasn't his fault, you're a lie. <laughs> it was definitely his fault. And he'll learn from it, but it's going to take a long while for people to get over that shit, and rightfully so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> and we were denied the Falcons-Saints NFC Conference Championship game that we could have had this weekend, too. And instead of that, we get 
Saints fans and Falcons fans arguing about which is, which is the better, which is the more offensive meme, the Marcus Williams ta- quote-unquote tackle or the 28-3. <laughs> Somebody in our Slack, one of the Falcons fans, made a screen cap. You know how there was the screen cap of the 28-3 scoreboard up in the corner of the screen? Somebody made a screen cap of that with the final, the twenty, the Minnesota 24, New Orleans 23 final score. Yeah, <laughs> and that but shows it, up no, all the time in Slack now. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not the Super Bowl. I, I know Falcons no, fans want that twenty-eight to three to go away, but it ain't going away. I'm sorry. And and when you bring it up, we start thinking about y'all having a lead over the Eagles. Oh yeah, there is that. And then and then losing again uh, last week too. So I don't think I think Falcons fans they just want twenty-eight to three to die out. <laughs> what you don't want to do is bring it up in any way, shape, or form. Because I'm telling you, it's going to be that boomerang effect. You're going to be like, ha, ha, and then they're going to hit you back, and you'll be quiet for about two or three days. Yeah. So just be careful, Falcons fan, because y'all know <laughs> y'all know that's the Trump card right now. 28 to 3 is not going away. Unless, unless, y'all, unless y'all just let it die. Like, don't even react to it. Don't bring it up. None of that shit. It's the crying Jordan of NFL memes right now. I mean, Oh, man. It's, but, it's, and it's then the you king. turn around. And get the lead on the Eagles uh, on the road and, and lose that game too? Yeah, yeah, I don't think you want to bring that up. No, I'm just saying. No. Before, there's one other thing I want to bring up about this Minnesota, the Minneapolis miracle thing. Because there's one thing that bothered me a little bit. It bothered me during the game. And then you kind of forgot about it because the way, you know, Diggs is touchdown and the way that whole thing ends. But like, so it's the second to the last drive of the game. It's where Minnesota, it, it, in the drive ends... With Minnesota, they kicked the field goal to go up 23-21 to 21 over New Orleans. And the drive starts at three minutes. And they just, they pass the ball except for one play. One play on third and one. McKinnick runs it. McKinnon runs it for two yards, picks up the first down. And then the two-minute warning comes back. And they come back for the two-minute warning, first down, and then they just pass the ball. And the drive-in, they kick the field goal from, what, I think the 35? And there's about a minute and a half left on the clock. To me, I guess I was frustrated. I felt like they should have been running the ball more on that drive. And it might not have even come down to this situation. Yeah, I think that's a fair uh, criticism. Um, But again, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I agree with you on that. But at the end of the day... It, it 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 was the one player that didn't make the play. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> you sure. did what you were supposed to do. You got the field goal, and then the guy didn't hold up his end. So again, like look, there's a lot of questions <laughs> about that game overall. Oh yeah. Um and you know, I don't think just in that drive, uh, for instance, could you level that criticism? Yeah. Uh, of not running football enough. But um yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they did enough. Yeah, it just it wasn't enough, but it should have been. Yeah, that's kind of a theme in the NFL world this year. Right, this is just a stupid ass year, man. I, look, <laughs> overall, in every way possible, not just football, not just sports. It's just a crazy yeah. ass year. Yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, it hadn't changed much since the calendar flipped either. Right, at all. So I mean, shit. We got, we got, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, 
Let's which is like the beginning of a joke before the season started, right? Yeah. It, there's got to be a, a a plot twist or something if you say something like that. But no, it's actually reality. It's, it's, it's the real deal. And that was a hell of a game, too. I mean, that was, an, a, that was a fun game to watch, too. I guess unless you're a Steelers fan, then it was probably not all that great. And not just because you <laughs> lost, but the way you lost, too. Yeah. Was not a fun way to lose with just some kind of bad decision making down the stretch there. And I saw they fired Todd. Well, they didn't fire him, but, you know, they didn't renew his contract. So for right. all intents and purposes. Yeah, that's pretty much getting fired. Yeah, that's that mutually parting ways thing that they say now instead of fired. Right. But that was like, like I guess like if you're a Jaguars fan, like that would worry me a little bit that with that defense – and I'm not taking away anything from, like, that's, I mean, the Steelers have, you know, some Hall of Fame level players on that offense. I mean, there's just no, you know, you can't deny that, even if you hate the Steelers. But the Jaguars have a 21 nothing lead. And then they damn near lose the game. Well, I mean, the thing of it is, it was mostly just spectacular plays that kept the Steelers in it. Yeah. And, I mean, you're talking about how many of those plays were on fourth down. Yeah. Right? And Antonio Brown is just fucking ridiculous. And, you know, to their credit or discredit, the Jaguars, I guess, didn't feel the need to double-team him. Yeah. And so he showed you what you gonna, what he going to do. Even up against a good corner like A.J. Boye, uh, you know, he's just a guy that can be unguardable. When you put the ball in the vicinity. Yeah. Um, but that was mostly desperation. Like, I feel like yeah. the, the Jaguars were a little unaccustomed to playing with the lead. And so, um, you know, some things kind of got a whack, got out of whack on defense. By the end of the game, it looked like guys were kind of dragging ass and, yeah. and, and, you know, a little bit discombobulated. It wasn't the same uh, just – swagger that we used to seeing from that Jacksonville defense this year. So I think it is shaking them a little bit. But look, <laughs> ain't many teams got Antonio Brown, right? No, no. <laughs> it, it just don't. And, and and you take those plays away, and it's an embarrassing loss by the Steelers. Yeah. But those are, like, ridiculous. Antonio Brown had, like, three catches that could have been on – the 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 highlight reel for the season. Yeah. Right. They, they could have made the top 20 plays of the season, some of these catches. And then you have uh uh, uh was number 10. He finally uh, gets that downfield, you know, I, after I hyped him up all the preseason. <laughs> yeah. And then he kind of fell out this year. Uh you Martavis. know he, he, Martavis Bryant gets the long uh touchdown. I thought he would be doing that kind of stuff all year. But again, those were kind of desperation plays. Like you said, they were already up 21 and nothing. Yeah. A little concerning, but at the same time, look at all the, the scoring opportunities that that defense set up for their offense in the first place. Yeah. Right? And 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 scored themselves at least one time. Yeah. You know, picked and ran it into the end zone. So, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, they kind of, you know, gave up more points than we're used to seeing. But most teams don't have an Antonio Brown. Yeah. Okay. And number two, they were wholly the reason why they were able to score and be in the game in the first place, let alone win it 
at the end. Yeah. I mean, Blake Bortles played well, but he wasn't that damn good. No. Right? <laughs> he didn't turn it over. That's the main thing. Right. If they don't get those short fields, I have a hard time believing they score as many points as they do. Yeah. Um, definitely if they don't get that defensive score. So um, there was still a lot of good things that the Jaguars did um, in the course of that game. It's just that, you know, you look at the score and you feel like, well, those guys must have had a lit. Now, I know a lot of those were desperation plays, fourth down plays, and just one guy made an outstanding individual play. And and then Boye was in good good position on a lot of those catches, you know? So, um, you know, going into this game against the Patriots, you know, they don't have Antonio Brown. They have uh, Gronkowski, but that's a different kind of animal. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a different kind of beast to deal with but most teams don't have an Antonio Brown so I wouldn't be too concerned about that yeah yeah <laughs> do you think I mean so you you look at this game you think I mean a lot of people just kind of assume that and I've seen like what was the headline on ESPN today the Jaguar the Patriots have the easiest road to the Super Bowl in Super Bowl history Right. But I I mean I can't just like I mean there's obviously like I'm a little biased just because it's like I like you know this is this is a this is the nice thing about sports media at SB Nation. I don't have to necessarily be um unbiased. But yeah, I mean I would rather see the Jags. I would like to see the Jags beat the Patriots. But I think they can do it too. I mean that's not just me being team Duval all of a sudden or anything either. Right. And and, and I've said this for a few weeks in a row. Uh, and they kind of apply it all season. When Blake Bortles doesn't turn the football over, the Jaguars have a chance every week. And and that doesn't like reflect necessarily just low-scoring games. There's a direct correlation between Blake Bortles not turning the ball over yeah. and them having a success as a team. And so that defense is so good, once again, m- maybe uh, the Patriots will score 40 points too, but that defense is always going to keep them in the game, whether yeah. they're shortening uh, the field position, whether they're getting turnovers, whether they're scoring themselves. They're going to find a way to keep that team in the game. Yeah. And and this week in particular, like um, during the game, I kept thinking, I was like, you know, the Jaguars aren't really rushing, pass rushing the way I'm used to them seeing. They were still rushing four, but they weren't having quite as much success. And then I noticed when I went to rewind it was, they were concerned about Big Ben moving around in the pocket. You know how he'll extend plays and he'll yeah. step up and stuff like that. So you necessarily see guys really getting up the field the way we're used to seeing. Yeah. Tom Brady can move around the pocket, but he ain't taking off nowhere. No. Right? He's not going to he's not going laterally. He's not stepping up and running for five yards, probably. He's mostly gonna move around that pocket. So they know where he's gonna be. So they're really gonna have an opportunity to get after him. And then you got those cover corners they have. Okay, you know, you just – if they line up Ramsey on Gronk, mm-hmm. okay, on, on, on passing downs, then Gronk probably ain't going to see the ball very much. Mm-hmm. I'm just being honest with you. That kid is special. Yeah. Now, the thing they have to worry about is Gronk on early downs. But one thing I was thinking about with that too is most teams don't have a Calais Campbell. Yeah. Right? Because – Gronk is going to give you some in the pass game and the running game because normally he's too big for you to cover, you know, with the DB. So you, you have to put a linebacker or somebody on him or, or you know, he he's 
able to block def- most defensive ends, most normal size defensive ends, pretty easily. Yeah, that ain't gonna happen with Calais Campbell. Calais Campbell will be able to jack his ass up and knock him in the backfield on running plays, and Calais goes to the strength of the formation. Yeah. So, uh, one, they'll be able to, whenever they have Grunk lined up as a tight end, they'll be able to put Calais Campbell in front of him, and whether it's a run or a pass. Calais Campbell will be able to rough him up a little bit, keep him from going out in his route right away, you know, hold him up, yeah. and be able to, to, to hold up against him against the run. So when you look for defensive matchups with this Patriots offense, and they have those fast linebackers, so now James White and, and all those other guys aren't getting wide open out of the backfield. Yeah. So when you look, when you really take a look, <laughs> right, on all levels of the defense against this Patriots offense, they have a shot. Now, it's not guaranteed. Right. But they have a shot to kind of shut that offense down and give their offense a chance. So don't be surprised. Remember, you think you think back to last year in the playoffs when Houston got after uh, the Patriots real good. Yeah, Remember that? that's right. They were getting out yep. the Brady real good and he had a bad game. Think back to that and then imagine a better defensive line, a better secondary, and faster linebackers doing a pretty much similar – uh, 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 game plan, and 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 there, and there you have it. So yeah. you know, a lot of people are going to write this game off, and they're going to think the Jaguars are going to get blown out. And truth be told, if Borders turns the ball over once, like you said, it's like a Lay's potato chip. <laughs> he can't have <laughs> just one. So if he starts turning the football over, they may well get blown out. But if he takes care of the football. If he doesn't turn it over, if he doesn't throw an interception or fumble the football, yeah. I'm telling you, we have a chance to see a defense put on a special performance this weekend against the, the Patriots. Yeah. Man, that... Uh, <laughs> I hope so. I mean, you know, it's interesting because, I, I don't know, I just like the thought of, like, we've talked about this time and time again on the program, but, man, Duval taking over... Minnesota for the Super Bowl. I just, I can't even. Something to see. Something to see. Uh, let, me, let me put it to you another <laughs> way, too. Let's say Philadelphia finds a way to win in a squeaker, right? Yeah. There's a good chance that, you know, the Jaguars could beat Philly. Oh, yeah. In a neutral site, you know. Yeah. I mean, are, are you really choosing Nick Foles against that defense? Yeah. <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars Super Bowl champions. Blake Bortles Super Bowl MVP. Oh my God. Think about that. Wrap your head around that boy. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine how much money they're going to throw at Blake Bortles if they win the Super Bowl? <laughs> Do you know how mad and happy at the same time Jaguars fans are going to be? If they win and Bortles is a Super Bowl MVP and they know they stuck with him oh, for the God. next five or ten years. <laughs> I mean, and it would be perfect. It would be the perfect ending to this season. Because, look, the, the Eagles already got Carson Wentz. They know he'll bounce back. Oh, yeah. But, but for a franchise to get stuck with the guy they don't want <laughs> long term, that would be the perfect storybook ending to this season. So I'm going for it. All chaos. Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> Super Bowl champions, Blake Bortles Super Bowl MVP. Write it down. 
I mean, and it's hard to believe. Like, remember, like, I remember because, like, we recorded the podcast, like, the day the day it happened or the day after it happened. But, like, when Blake Bortles got benched in the preseason for Chad Henney. And, like, there was a right. time where you thought, like, Chad Henney might be the Jacksonville Jaguars starting quarterback when week one 2017 season opens up. Now, it didn't well, work out that I way. Laughed. I laughed that they chose Blake Bortles over Henney. When Henny obviously outplayed him in the preseason. Yeah. Obviously. But what they knew that we didn't know was that their offensive line sucked. Yeah. And so Chad Henny was going to get killed <laughs> trying to run around <laughs> behind that offensive line. <laughs> and so they, they put Bortles in, and he was able to, to avoid the rush a little bit better. And then somewhere along the way, man, they start winning, and Bortles starts getting confidence. And he starts getting more confidence, and nobody's paying attention but he's throwing better and, and, and throwing confidently and, and not making those big mistakes. Yeah. And I think maybe because the, the coaching staff had enough sense not to put a lot on his plate early on, that maybe that mentality before was, his mentality before was, if I don't make these throws, we can't win. Yeah. And he got to see that, hey, as long as I don't turn this football over and do something stupid, we have a good chance of winning with this defense and this running game. And then the combination of that, learning not to throw the game away and getting more confidence in his arm again. Yeah. And now you have a quarterback that's pretty halfway decent. I mean, when Bortles, Bortles basically doesn't usually have, you know, a, 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 a bad game up until he starts turning the football over. It's just once he turns it over once, here comes another one. And he starts chasing those interceptions or those fumbles basically – like, now I got to make a play, right? Yeah. But if he doesn't, he's okay because he's not doing anything stupid. He's, he's always going to give you one dumb throw a game. Like, he had the one the other day that was almost an interception, right? Well, he's, I think he's about to get sacked, and he, and he tries to throw it and, and almost gets intercepted. So he's always going to do that. Yeah. But as long as it doesn't result in an interception, you got a chance. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just amazing – to see how far he's come because a lot of people look back now and, and act like we were wrong for criticizing him in the preseason, but that's bullshit. You can go back and look at the preseason film. We all saw it. Yeah. That was a dude hoping that the ball that he threw went where he wanted it to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't have any fucking confidence at all in the preseason, and it didn't look even look like he cared all that much. No. Right? And Chad Henney looked like the much better quarterback yeah. in the time they were playing – in the preseason. So it's not that people were wrong about uh, uh, Blake Borders. I saw somewhere that uh, Trent Dilfer apologized for calling him the worst quarterback in the league. <laughs> and obviously he wasn't, of course, the worst quarterback this year uh, in the league, but we had all kind of guys starting this year. But, I mean, let's not act like this guy <laughs> was, was, was unfairly maligned or some shit, okay? No. The criticism he got early on in the season, in the preseason, he was warranted. It's just that most people kind of felt like, okay, same old Bortles, and never continued to look to see if he was getting any better. Yeah. And it just turns out he happened to get better over the course of this season. But your eyes did not deceive you you in the preseason. No. He sucked back then. Yeah. And last year, and going back to last season, season before that, I mean, like, uh, you know, even those a couple years ago when he was kind of, he had some big numbers, but it was always those kind of fantasy type numbers where it was just, you know, the Jags would be down 20 points late in the game and they just have to throw the hell out of the ball because they didn't have anything else they could do. So, right. He just started chunking it. Yeah. <laughs> so now, 
Now he's got 350 yards, but also three interceptions, and they lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know. <laughs> well, let's talk about the other game this weekend because I'm kind of curious about this one. I don't. I mean, I, I I don't think it's a leap to say that the Vikings are the better team overall. But I mean, I don't think the Eagles necessarily are a lock to lose this either by any means. Oh no! They, I mean, they have a chance. And look, it's a testament to their head coach, who's also kind of like their offense coordinator. Um, during the game, uh, the announcers started talking up Case Keenum because he started completing some passes. Mind you, they had to talk him up after that because his first passes were just so awful. Mm-hmm. They were way off the mark. They didn't even look like anybody was in the vicinity. But he started making some throws. But the thing is, they were all easy throws. Yeah. Right? It's kind of it's kind of the mirror image of the Vikings in a way. Their offense coordinator for the Eagles pushed them in position to be successful. Yeah, right. He started running wing T shit basically, <laughs> and it worked <laughs> because basically he was going to find anything that would work that wouldn't require a lot from his quarterback. Yeah, and so you saw uh, uh, Nick Foles making some throws, but mostly he was throwing the wide open guys. I mean, guys are just, you know, whether from crossing routes or pick routes or just a good route combination, they were scheming guys wide open yeah. against the Falcons, basically. And so they're always going to have a chance when you have somebody that can do that kind of thing and your quarterback doesn't have to throw con- contested uh, back shoulder throws every play. Yeah. Right? And so you look at the Vikings and you can say the same thing about them. Case Keenum was completing all these passes against the Saints Guys, wide-ass open. Wide-ass open. And mostly was just they were running a lot of mesh stuff with crossing routes because the Saints were trying to run a lot of man-to-man. Well, guess what? The Eagles are going to try to run a lot of man-to-man too, and so are the Vikings. Yeah. So there's going to be opportunities for both quarterbacks because they're going to make these these offenses basically uh, idiot-proof. Yeah. You know, they're going to give you somebody who's open pretty much on every play. You just got to make the throw. Yeah. But as as funny as it sounds, I actually trust Case Keenum now more to make those throws than I do Nick Foles. <laughs> well, I mean, Keenum's been pretty consistent all season, you know? I mean, it's not like... I mean, I don't want to buy into the hype too much, to, you know, turn the guy into the next Peyton Manning or anything like that. But, like, you know... He did a little more than just be a game manager as the season went on. Oh, a lot more. A lot more. Uh, you know, look, we, we talked about that play in, at the end of the, the Saints-Vikings game a lot. But you know what? That was a hell of a throw. Yeah. That was a nice-ass throw to the white guy, and it had a very good chance, even if the safety played it correctly, of giving the wide receiver a chance to catch the ball, get out of bounds, and kick a field goal yeah. and go home. Yeah. So in a way, it kind of took away from uh, Keenum being more of a hero if the, that the play didn't play out the way it normally would. Yeah. Because we'd have given him a lot more credit if the wide receiver catches that goes out of bounds and then and then he kicked the field goal to win. Yeah. But we don't want to overlook that because in the clutch, most people would have said. Hey, Drew Brees just shut the door, right? Mm-hmm. He marched him down there, got him a field goal. This game is over. Ain't nobody fearing Case Keenum 
with a few <laughs> with a minute left on on the clock, right? Yeah. But he marched them down and got them in a position to win that game. Yeah. It was just a fluky way that it ended that he doesn't really get the props for making that throw, but that was a hell of a throw at that particular time. And he picked the right guy, he made the right read, and that was one of those that wasn't necessarily a wide open guy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that guy has been making plays all season. Does he make some 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 subpar plays as well? Of course he does. Because he's not a top five quarterback. No. But he definitely has been a top 15 quarterback this year, mostly because there's been a whole lot of trash quarterback starts. Well, yeah. <laughs> but in light of that, you look at it and can you really find uh, 15 other quarterbacks better than him, that play better than him? Yeah. This season, I don't think you can. Yeah. And so when you look at uh, as far as being through it and and, 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 you know, being a clutch guy coming through in the clutch, stuff like that, and having been relied on for so much of the season, then you have to give the edge to Case Keenum. Yeah. I mean, Nick Foles, shit, nobody had confidence in Nick Foles headed to that game considering how he ended the season. Oh, he looked terrible down the street. He didn't have a good throw at all at once in the regular season. And and in in the beginning of that game, he looked pretty shaky. Yeah. Right? So, but Case Keenum has been, like you said, he's been consistent pretty much all season. You know what you're going to get with him. Yeah. And now he's basically, you know, however it went down, he's got a game-winning throw over Drew Brees. Yeah. That's got to give you some confidence right there. Yeah. (laughs) It really ought to. It's amazing how much confidence is like with these. Everyone's kind of talking about, you know, it's a. everyone's kind of laughing a little bit because three of the four quarterbacks still playing are Case Keenum, Nick Foles and, and Blake Bortles. But, you know, we've talked about like with confidence and Bortles, too. You can see when he has confidence how much better his play is. And then that's been the case down the stretch for him this this year, too. And then the same thing with Keenum. Oh, Absolutely. And really, uh, you know, Nick Foles, once he started making those shorter passes, he started to show he had a little bit more confidence in where he was throwing it. He definitely didn't have any confidence to start that game. (laughs) He was just throwing it. And it was going wherever it wanted to go. But somewhere along the line, he started his his head coach slash offense coordinator, figured it out, started giving him some little short passes to the backs, and he was able to complete those. They weren't hard. The guys weren't covered. And then he got confidence again. A quarterback with confidence can do pretty much anything. Yeah. You know, but those guys, when, when you can tell they are hoping that the ball goes where they want to go, man, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're, especially yeah. against these defenses that are left <laughs> in, in, in the playoffs. I mean, even the Patriots now. Yeah. And, and, and I've, I've talked bad about their defense the Patriots' defense pretty much all season because it was a personnel issue. But they have mixed and matched some guys in. Hell, they had a backup dude, number 96, had two sacks at the end of the game last week. Yeah. And then you got uh, 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 Harrison, who you picked up, and, and and you got enough guys now rushing the pass, so you don't even really need him yeah. on passing down. They get nine sacks from a variety of guys. So all of these defense, defenses that are left are playing well and can get after you. You can't have a quarterback facing these defenses that is hoping that the ball goes where he wants it to go. Yeah. Because the margin of error is just too small now. If you if you throw one of those wish balls up, that's just gonna get picked up, picked off, and took back to the house. It won't yeah. be a pass breakup. It won't be a drop. You're gonna end up giving up points to some of these defenses. Yeah. So 
you know, if you look in, uh, I, I just still don't trust Nick Foles. I kind of trust Case Keenum right now. I'm be yeah. honest with you. Well, the Vikings defense too is pretty damn good defense. I mean, I all like I say all the def- these are some really good defenses left, but I mean, I think one thing for me that came down to picking the Vikings to win this game too was that defense and how it matches up against Philly. Now, my only question is if Sandejo is going to be uh, healthy. Yeah. You know, he had that uh, concussion. Uh, Mike Thomas just blasted him on one play, and he didn't even see it coming. Yeah. And so, you know, with the concussion protocol being what it is, I'm not sure if he's going to have time to get out of concussion protocol. And he's really been playing well for them. I think I mentioned him, like, last week or the week before Mm -hmm. as a guy who we don't talk about enough because we, we always talk about the other safety, uh, Harrison Smith. Yeah. But Sandeo has really picked his game up now. And he used to be only a hitter, but he's gotten better in all facets of the game, but he will still knock the shit out of you. Yeah. And so they lose something when he's not in the game. At the very least, they they lose the cohesiveness of that, that, that defensive backfield that has been playing so well uh, uh, as well. Yeah. Right now, the last latest news, and this was from yesterday – He's still in the protocol, but he's on track to play. "Quote unquote" on track to play this week. So, well, we'll see. I, I mean, I mean, I, I like that defense, regardless. Yeah. And uh, you know, they again, they they have really good players on every level of the defense. I think they have had this year. They had Pro Bowls on, on every level of the defense, except for. I think Harrison Smith didn't get voted to the to the Pro Bowl, but it is an All Pro, which is yeah. kind of weird. But regardless, <laughs> I mean, it just shows you that they have a bunch of talent on that defense. And Nick Foles, he's not going to have much of a, 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 a margin for error. Yeah. No, but, but, I mean none. Hello. The same could kind of be said for the Eagles too, I suppose, yeah. as far as their defense. Uh, has been outstanding. They held uh, the Falcons to to ten points last week at home. Yeah. So you know, I, I'm I'm not trying to slight them. It's just that in a low scoring game, if, if I think both defenses are are, are really good, and I do, then you got to go with quarterback play. In my opinion. Yeah. And I I just think that you're going to get better quarterback play out of Keenum. They both, you know, the, the Vikings have a really good running game. Latavius Murray is really coming on strong. Yeah, you know, I, I I loved him a couple years back when I picked him as a breakout player for the Raiders, and and I really was kind of surprised they let him go, but he's a guy that wasn't really even playing much early on in the season, and now he I mean he's getting after it. I mean he's a big old dude, and nobody really wants to tackle that guy one on one in space, and so they have yeah. a good running game. The Eagles obviously have a good running game too with Blunt and and, and Ajaye and those guys, so it's gonna come down. Basically, the one thing, and that's quarterback play. <clears throat> you just have to – I don't see how you don't give Keenan the edge after what we've seen, especially at the end of the season. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. You know, that would be interesting. I don't know. I mean, like I, the, uh, <laughs> a Jacksonville Vikings Super Bowl. I mean, I know that, like, networks are probably groaning at that, but I think it would be awesome. So – Look, as long as Duval is in it, it won't even matter who's <laughs> exactly. playing against him, right? I mean, just imagine that dude, all this trash talking. Ooh, they trash talk the shit out of the Steelers after that game. They talk so bad about them. Now, the Steelers, to be fair, the Steelers kind of started talking shit 
in the week leading up to that yeah. game. But after the game, oh my goodness, those guys, man, <laughs> just just the interviews for 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 uh, you know media role, the whole Super Bowl week, man, will be worth the price of admission. So as long as Duval is in this thing, I don't care who they playing, it's gonna be live. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, Jalen Ramsey's already guaranteed a Super Bowl win at the at the fan rally. I mean, right? And and, and I thought he went a little too far with that one. <laughs> to be honest with you, maybe, maybe. But fuck it, it's Jalen Ramsey. Let him say what the hell the hell he want to say. <laughs> we gonna win this bitch, is what he said. <laughs> hey man, I I ain't even mad at him no more. Let let that young man say what he want to exactly, say. Exactly, exactly. I mean, they they back. And that's funny, too, because the Steelers did, like, all those tweets about playing the Patriots again. And then you had what Mike Mitchell went over to the Jaguars locker room saying shit. And... Yeah, screaming, you going to know my name. Yeah. Oh, oh no, sir. <laughs> you can't do all that kind of shit and lose. I'm sorry. Uh-uh. No, no. You talk that kind of shit, you supposed to get it out of the game. So <laughs> they, earned, they earned that trash talk out of the game. I noticed you, you noticed the Patriots being real careful with that this week too. Yeah, you know, and, and, and we all knew that was going to happen. That's the Patriots' way, right? Oh, talk yeah. on the state, never going to trash talk. But I, I mean, that's just going too far. You going to stand outside <laughs> somebody's locker room talking about you going to know my name, and then you give up forty <laughs> some points to Blake Bortles. You ought to apologize. Mike Mitchell should have apologized. You know what? I got beside myself. I was doing too much. You know what? In hindsight, I really was doing too much. You let Blake Bortles beat you like that. You got to apologize, man. You can't talk shit like that and get your ass whooped by Blake Bortles. Come on now. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're going to talk the talk, you better, you've got to, you got to eat your crow when it's time to. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Look, if they the one, you know, if they if the Steelers had lost like, you know, 10 to 12 or some shit, they offense just couldn't get going. But their defense had been outstanding. That's one thing. But Mike Mitchell, you cannot talk shit and then Blake Bortles and them put up 40-some points on you. You just can't do it. <laughs> it's against the rules, all the rules books. You got to you gotta text them an apology or something, man. Send them a DM. I don't know. Hit them on Instagram. But you got to apologize when your trash talking goes that bad. <laughs> it's like the milk gun turn. Uh-uh. No. You cannot talk that much shit right outside somebody. Right outside the locker room, dog. You gonna just stand outside the locker room screaming and shit like you crazy? No, oh no, you gotta apologize. Oh man, just I, it, it just you can't you can't make it up. That was the that was a hell of a weekend of football. I mean, it really was. That whole that sun those two Sunday games were just it. Was, what a special day to watch football. I feel bad for the people out there that decided they weren't gonna watch. NFL games anymore because of player protests or whatever bullshit reason they gave. Because you missed a hell of a weekend of football. Oh, fuck them. I mean, yeah. we don't need them anyway. They, they, yeah. if, if protest was, was so much that you didn't want to watch football, then good for you for missing all this good-ass football we watch. Yeah. Because that's exactly. two weeks of it, really. Yeah. Two weeks of uh, uh, games literally going down to the wire. Yeah. And and hopefully we'll have another weekend of it this week, too. I think we will. I mean, you know, like we say, these teams could really, I mean, these are all four teams that, you know, probably aren't getting enough credit for the matchups that we that we have here. So. Oh, no, because everybody's focusing on, on a quarterback. Oh, what does this mean about having franchise quarterbacks? Oh, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, exactly. just, you know, if you, if you take your, your eye off the quarterbacks for a while, you'll see some really good games going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
for sure. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. These are usually like, I feel like championship weekend is always a good weekend of football. You only got two games. There are teams that have earned the right to play there. I mean, this isn't like some, you know, like we had the one last week where the Titans had kind of accidentally slipped through. Right, right, right. <laughs> they earned it. All these teams earned it. Yeah. And, and, and they're all pretty much relatively healthy. You know, you got some guys banged up like Sandejo. Uh, Fournette hurt his ankle, but he came back and played. Yeah. So you got a couple guys banged up here and there. But for the most part, these teams are, are relatively healthy as well. And that's what you want to see. You want to see these teams going at each other at full speed yeah. with their full complement of players. So you got good on good. And that's what you're going to see this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. I, I'm really excited about it. And uh, we will we'll come back next week. We'll have two games to kind of look back at. And by God, we can talk about a Super Bowl. I can't believe it. It's super, almost Super Bowl time already. It seems oh, like yeah. the season just started. Yep. I did want to talk about one other thing yeah. though, before we get done. This Rooney Rule conversation that we have every year yeah. when, uh, you know, coaches are hired and fired and everybody's, well, do we need the Rooney Rule uh, anymore and stuff of that nature. And, and, and I actually been thinking about this a lot. And, and I came to this conclusion. We, we, we could fix the Rooney Rule air quotes, fix mm -hmm. the Rooney rule overnight. We could. How All you that? have to do is make the punishment for yeah. circumventing the Rooney rule so harsh that no team would ever dare do it. But we will never do that because people aren't really committed to the Rooney rule. No. See, when you listen to people talk, a lot of times what they'll say is, Owners should have a right to pick whoever they want to coach the team. Yeah. Right? And the Rooney Rule does nothing to stop a team from hiring who they want to hire. Literally, all it mandates that they do is give a serious consideration to a minority cunt. Yeah. Uh, 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 a minority, uh, what do you call candidate. it? Uh, candidate. Yeah. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. But a minority candidate. One. Just one. Yeah. You don't have to interview five. One. But but we, so many fans and so many, even in sports media, believe that teams should be able to pick their 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 uh uh coach that they'll make allowance for. How many people with this whole John Gruden deal, this here, oh they'll just pay the fine, no big deal. Yeah. But it is a big fucking deal. Because if you say that you believe in the, the, the reason for the Rooney Rule, which so many people say, yeah, I, I understand the need for it. I just don't, I don't know if we need it <laughs> yeah. anymore. You know, I, I, don't, I don't see how it's helping. Well, then, if you're really committed to it, then it's not okay for a team to circumvent, circumvent the process and pick a guy before they've even heard from a minority candidate. Yeah. All they got to do is hear them out. What is so fucking scary about that? Yeah. That's the thing that always annoys me. They act like black candidates or minority candidates are guaranteed a job just off an of interview. Yeah. Why are people so fucking scared of mandating a serious interview with a minority candidate? Because like I said, if you're not scared, 
Say you'll take a team's whole fucking draft away if they circumvent the process. Yeah. You know how many teams were circumvented after that? Not a Zero. goddamn one. Zero. Tomorrow you can fix this. Yeah. Tomorrow. If you say the coach is suspended for half the season and we're going to take your next three first-round picks, ain't nobody going to circumvent the Rooney rule. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is you're really okay with them circumventing in certain, certain, certain circumstances. Well, if they know the guy they want, why yeah. would they have to go through the process? But it's weird how the, the guy that they know that they want is so rarely a minority candidate, ain't it? Yeah, it Isn't is. Isn't it weird how the guy who, well, he's the first pick, he's the only guy we want, yeah. just never seems to be a minority candidate. Yeah. So, again, and, you know, I know everybody, we have this conversation every single year. Because every single year, we see, you know, not just as head coaches, but we so see so few minority candidates for coordinator positions as yeah. well, especially offense coordinator positions. And we know that right now, in this era of football, everybody's looking for their next hot offense coordinator. Yeah. You don't even have that many black offense coordinators to have as a candidate because they don't get coordinator jobs either. Yeah. But again, you, if you don't, agree with the Rooney rule and you don't think teams should have to give serious consideration to minority candidates, then you should say that. Yeah. But don't act like it's a fucking mystery why the Rooney rule isn't working as intended so far. The reason is teams know that the penalty is not that bad and all they got to do is basically pay a fine. Yeah. Here, that's, that's fucking uh, pocket change for them. Oh, yeah. But, but in every other behavior that we want to change, okay, when they want to start, when they want the guys to stop hitting wide receivers going across the middle, okay, what they say, well, instead of just fining you, we're going to also suspend yeah. you if you get enough of these hits, right? Yeah. Because we want to change the behavior by making the penalty so harsh that you will change your behavior or you'll eventually get out of the league because you've been suspended so many times. Yeah. yeah. Same way with drugs, same way with every other issue that they want to change behavior on, except for the Rooney rule. Yeah, and it's funny too, because like the tampering thing, like I was thinking about this the other day, because the tampering thing is, you know, like the tampering is almost impossible to enforce. It's almost impossible, not enforce, but it's almost impossible to prove because it's one of those sort of universally acknowledged things about free agency. And there's so many kind of, you know, rules about it. But what they do to the Chiefs with the Macklin thing, they took away a third round draft pick for a pretty, you know, uh, something that's not easy. It's not as easy to prove as something you could just go rewind the replay tape and look and see if there was a rule violation. This is, you know, how you talk and when you talk to a free agent player. And they took away a third round draft pick. They took what they do to the Falcons for piping in crowd noise in the stadium. Took away a draft pick. But they don't do shit when it comes to the Rooney rule. There's no teeth just, in the I, enforcement. I think, right, I think it's just a fine. And yeah. so who the fuck ain't gonna pay a fine? Yeah, well, well you care. And like I said, so many people, whether they're doing it subconsciously or not, are endorsing that kind of behavior. Yeah. Well, I feel the team, if they want a coach, you know, why, why put a guy through a, 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 a sham interview if they know who they want? The whole point is, if you give minority candidates a fair shot, 
then there's a good chance that they can convince you that they are the right guy for the yeah. job. That's all that they're asking for. They're not asking for a, a, a actual job. I mean, the, the fucking Raiders to allegedly fulfill the Rooney Rule requirements interview T fucking Martin. Okay, T Martin is the offense coordinator for USC, who I'm very familiar with because he won a national championship with my Tennessee Volunteers. But you know what? The Tennessee Vols didn't even interview him. They wouldn't even bring him in for an interview for their head coaching job. Mm-hmm. But I'm supposed to believe that the Raiders credibly considered him for the head coaching job when his own alma mater wouldn't even consider him for that. Yeah. I mean, that's fucking ridiculous. And one, you know, it would help if guys stopped helping these teams cover their ass this way. Yeah. But number two, they wouldn't so blatantly flaint, uh, 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 flaunt this rule if they knew they were going to lose draft picks. Yeah. If they knew a coach was going to be suspended for half the season. Yeah. If they knew those things or an owner would have to step back for a year. Yeah. They could put teeth in this anytime they wanted to. But at the end of the day, a lot of people are okay with, you know, the owner choosing the coach that they want without even a fucking interview. They're yeah. so afraid of genuine interviews, of, of a genuine process, that they're okay with the system being rigged. Yeah. Even though, look at it, man. They always talk about how a lot of these owners, they, they, they like to hire guys they know. Well, who do they know? They know mostly white candidates because there always have been white head coaches yeah. and their sons who end up coaching and their friends who they bring in to coach and all these guys that they know in their ecosystem. Yeah. So if, if there's never any black coaches in that ecosystem, then of course they aren't familiar with them. Maybe the interview process can get them acquainted. Yeah. And that's and sort get of those coaches in the door, but yeah. it's not going to happen until we have serious repercussions in place. So again, let's, let's stop arguing back and forth about this shit every single year about whether it's a worthy cause or not. It's definitely a worthy cause, but it's only going to work as quote-unquote intended when we have some serious repercussions for teams that circumvent the process. Yeah. And, you know, too, that's the thing. That's the other thing about it you know, that's always lost. You don't hear people talking about this in the discussion of it. And it elevates, even when teams do take the Rooney Rule seriously and, and adhere to the spirit of it, it elevates those other candidates. So if they just bring in a guy to interview, they st- it's still if they do it right, it, a lot of times you'll see it elevate those candidates, and then you know they become talked about. They get into the head coaching mix. I mean, you saw this happen with Todd Bowles, and we, you know before he took the Jets head coaching job, he was a coordinate defensive coordinator, and and you know he got interviewed for a few jobs, probably in a lot of cases because of the Rooney Rule, and it elevated his stock as a head coaching candidate. And that's the other part of this that people, you know, that people that shoot it down and, and bitch and complain about it don't quite get either. It's not that even if the Raiders were going to hire John Gruden in the first place, which they were, you still can elevate those other serious, legitimate candidates for future jobs. And that's how you, you know, the the side effect of, of adhering to the spirit of that rule. Right. I mean, what's so fucking hard? What would have been so hard? For the Raiders to actually bring in serious candidates. Yeah. 
I mean, they were so sold on John Gruden. Okay, cool. Then why are you so afraid to bring in a serious candidate and go through the process with them? Yeah. Because you know that you're not going to even try. Yeah. Somehow, some way, you have convinced yourself that John Gruden, who's been out of football all this time, only doing commentating and, and the, Gruny, uh, the Gruden camp or whatever, yeah. it is some kind of football messiah. Yeah. And, and so you just have to have him. But this is what happens every single day for regular folks. Okay? Uh, yeah. For regular folks, when, when they're trying to get their foot in the door for a job or be interviewed, and, 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 and people are tossing... Uh, uh, their resume in the trash because they got a black sounding name or yeah. an ethnic sounding name. Yeah. And they can't even get their foot in the door. Let, at least the experience of interviewing in a sincere process means now you are acquainted with that coach. Yeah. Now that black coach kind of is into your ecosystem because if something comes up down the line, hey, this guy really impressed me. And, and, and his resume was great. We'd already had 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 our minds set on Gruden, but in the back of our minds, we were thinking this guy was a good second choice. And and probably when it comes to minority candidates, four or five years on the road, they still won't be have, have gotten a shot anyway. Yeah. And so now you can come back to this guy because you are familiar with him and you did get to know him through the interview process. But when you do these sham interviews, it's just bullshit. Yeah. It's just it, it, it's it's anti what the Rooney rules supposed to be about in the first place, but it's allowed to happen because people don't really care that much. Yeah. They don't really care that much. They think owners should be able to hire who they want to hire. When we've seen in the history of the league, that doesn't really go too well <laughs> yeah. for minority candidates. Yeah. Right. How many black head coaches have been the first choice of an organization in the history of football? Tony Dungy, who did phenomenal things both for Tampa Bay and for the coach, yeah, yeah. right, was the, the, the fifth or sixth top cho choice for the Buccaneers at the time. Everybody else had to say no to them before they finally got down to Tony. Yeah. And that's what happens to so many of these other candidates, right? These, these, even the ones that get head coaching jobs, they have to go and interview well and make an impression because they are rarely the number one choice for these teams. So the more they get the interview, sincerely, the better they can get at it. Yeah. Right? And so I, I just, again, this is not a mystery. We got to stop acting like it is. We got to stop acting like, oh, I don't know how we can enforce this. Make the penalties so harsh that, it, like you said, when it comes to tampering, Teams know not to tamper no more. Yeah. They don't want to give up a third-round pick. Yep. Okay. People, uh, teams know not to deflate footballs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> might lose your quarterback for four games. Yeah. Might, and, might a first get, round pick. Right, and a first-round pick. And a first-round pick and your owner find and all that shit. People know not to try to tape uh, uh, other teams' practices and stuff. Right? Yeah. So they know all these things because of the penalties incurred. What do they learn from breaking the Rooney Rule? Oh, I can cut a check and it's okay. Yeah. Won't even be that much backlash because people think owners should be able to pick the head coach anyway without a fair process. Yeah. So, again, if we want to change this, it's not hard. Let's just see how many people actually push for harsher penalties because that'll tell you who's serious about this. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it'd be the easiest thing in the world for the league to change. All it's at one, one 
section one session in in one of the the in the league owners meetings they could have that fixed but it will because you know why because it'd be so hard for somebody to explain why would it why they would be against harsher rules for yeah. circumventing the Bruno rule yeah i mean think about it yeah. everybody kind of winks and nod now but having to go on a record yeah. to oppose this and explain why yeah it's a bad thing to have draft choices taken away for circumventing the Rooney rule, I would love to see it. I, I put it on CNN or C-SPAN so we can all watch these people try to explain why they really, really, really agree with the Rooney rule, but they don't want really any harsh penalties associated with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, and you know, too, it's like the people that are changed that in that room, well, what's the one thing they almost all have in common except for one of the 32 of them, you know? Exactly. So it's uh, I will see. I mean, you're but you're right. Absolutely. I, for all the shit that league, I mean, the leagues, the league seriously debated whether or not to punish players for expressing their free speech during the national anthem. I right. mean, there are a lot of owners that wanted them to. But if it comes to uh, the Rooney rule, I don't you know, you're probably not going to get the same level of discussion on it. Right. Exactly. Players getting out of line. Let's suspend them. Yeah, inmates on inmates running the asylum. Owners don't want to uh, interview minority candidates. I right, let's give them a slap on the wrist. Yeah, find them some pocket change. Yeah, pocket change. Exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. And that's why you know that you you got <laughs> that Raiders team is is uh, the fine that they may get for that is compared to the ten million dollars a year they're going to pay the guy they hired for a head coach and shit. Exactly. It's, it's, it's no big deal. And like I said, a lot of people are perfectly okay with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. We'll see. Well, it's a, it's a good discussion to have. I'm glad we, were, we did that. And, and it's something that I, it'd be interesting to see getting some of the, getting, getting some NFL owners on record for that. But, uh, if if they could even get it, bring it up for discussion in the room at one of those meetings to, to, yeah, good, to change that. But we'll see. Good, good, good luck. luck. You don't want them to bring it up. Yeah, Because exactly. as long as they don't ever have to have the conversation, they never have to defend it. No, exactly. And this is probably a situation, too, where with the Gruden thing, I, I think that the, you probably have a majority of people in the room that want the guy back in the league to begin with. And so they, right. you, you don't want to you know, they're not going to want to come out on this issue of on this instance of all instances. Yeah. And again, I still don't see why <laughs> he's, you know, the white whale for yeah. so many owners or whatever, but we'll see how that works out. 10 years, 10 million. He going to be there. a while. <laughs> he got a hundred million dollar commitment to the guy. <laughs> yeah. Let's see how that works out for you. <laughs> It'll be something to see. All right, uh, Stephen, we, uh, we'll come back next week. We'll have lots of more things to talk about. Can't wait.